chapter thirty eight of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter thirty eight a painter's education master shooter's port a farewell feast the sleep of the just i hope yon said master swift that the gentleman will overlook my want of respect towards himself in consideration of what it was to me to see your face again don't distress me by speaking of it mr swift said the painter taking his hand and sitting down beside him in the porch as he returned the artist's friendly grasp the schoolmaster scanned his face with some of the old sharpness sir said he i beg you to forgive my freedom i am a rough man with a rough tongue which i could never teach to speak the feelings of my heart but i humbly thank you sir for your goodness to this boy it's a very selfish kind of goodness at present mr swift and i fancy some day the obligation of the acquaintance will be on my side jan said the schoolmaster take rufus with ye and run that errand i told ye rufus'll carry your basket when they had gone he turned earnestly to the painter sir i'm speaking to ye out of my ignorance and my anxiety ye want the lad to be a painter will he be a great painter i'm reminding you of what ye'll know better than me though not by yourself for jan tells me you're a grand artist that a man may have the ambition and the love and some talent for an art and yet be just without that divine spark which the gods withhold sir god forbid that i should undervalue the pure pleasure of even that little gift but it's ill for a lad when he has just that much of an art to keep him from a thrifty trade and no more the painter replied as earnestly as master swift had spoken jan's estimate of me is weaker than his judgment in art is wont to be i speak to understanding ears and you will know that i have some true feeling for my art when i tell you that i know enough to know that i shall never be a great painter and it will help you to put confidence in my assurance that if he lives jan will deep emotion kept the old man silent it was a mixed feeling first intense pride and pleasure and then a pang of disappointment had he not been the first to see genius in the child had he not built upon him one more ambition for himself the ambition of training the future great man and now another had taken his office you look disappointed said the artist it is the vile selfishness in me sir i had hoped the boy's gifts would have been what i could have trained at my own heart it is only one more willful fancy once more thwarted selfish i am sure it is not said the painter hotly and as to such benevolence being thwarted as a sort of punishment for i don't know what i believe nothing of the kind you don't know sir said the old man firmly 
not that i am speaking of the lord's general dealings there are tender gentle souls i know well who seem only to grow the purer and better for having the desire of their eyes granted to them but there are others whom for their own good the father of all sees needful to chasten to the end my experience lies in another direction said the painter impetuously with what awe do you suppose indolent men whose easy years of self-indulgent life have been broken by no real calamity look upon others on whose heads blow falls after blow though their existence is an hourly struggle towards perfection there are some stagnant pools whose peace the angel never disturbs does god who takes pleasure in perfecting the saint and pardoning the sinner forget some of us because we are not worth remembering he forgets none of us my dear sir said the schoolmaster and he draws us to himself at different times and by different roads i wanted to be the child's teacher but he has chosen you and will bless ye in the work the painter drove his hands through his bushy hair and spoke more vehemently than before i his teacher and not you my good friend i at least am the better judge of what makes a painter's education is the man who shows a giotto how to use this brush or mix that paint to be called his teacher no not for teaching him forsooth what he would have learned of anybody everybody nobody somehow anyhow or done just as well without but the man who taught him to work as a matter of principle and apart from inclination a lesson which not all geniuses learn the man who fostered the love of nature in him and the spirit of poetry qualities without which draughtsmanship and painting had better not be the man who by example and precept led him to find satisfaction in duty done and happiness in simple pleasures and domestic affections the man who so fixed these high and pure lessons in his mind at its most susceptible age that the foulest dens of london could not corrupt him the man whose beloved and reverenced face would rise up in judgment against him if he could ever hereafter degrade his art to be a pander of vice or a mere trick of the workshop this man master swift has been the painter's schoolmaster master swift was not accustomed to betray emotion but his nerves were less strong than they had been and self-control was more difficult and with his horny hands he hid the cheeks down which tears of gratified pride would force their way he had not found voice to speak when rufus appeared at the gate with one basket followed by jan and the little innkeeper with another why master shooter had come and why jan was looking so particularly well satisfied must be explained whilst the painter was still gazing across the water-meadows master swift who was the soul of hospitality had told jan where to find a few shillings in a certain drawer and had commissioned him to lay these out in the wherewithal for an evening meal 
jan had had some anxiety in connection with the duty entrusted to him firstly he well knew that the few shillings were what the schoolmaster must depend on for that week's living secondly though it was his old friends all it was a sum very inadequate to provide such a meal as jan would have liked to set before the painter at his age children are very sensitive on behalf of their grown-up friends and like to maintain the credit of home the provoking point was that jan had plenty of pocket-money with which he could have supplied deficiencies had he dared for the painter besides buying him an outfit for the journey had liberally rewarded him for his work at the pot-boiler but jan knew the pride of master swift's heart too well to venture to add a halfpenny to his money or to spend a halfpenny less than all it was whilst he was going with an anxious countenance towards the village shop that master shooter met him with open arms the little innkeeper was genuinely delighted to see him and the news of his arrival having spread several old friends including willem smith were waiting for him about the yardway of the heart of oak when the innkeeper discovered jan's errand he insisted on packing up a prime cut of bacon some new-laid eggs and a bottle of crusty old port such as the squires drank at election dinners to take to the schoolmaster jan was far too glad of this seasonable addition to the feast to suggest doubts of its acceptance indeed he ventured on a hint about a possible lack of wine-glasses which master shooter quickly took and soon filled up his basket with ancient glasses on bloated legs a clean tablecloth and so forth we needn't say anything about the glasses suggested jan as they drew near the cottage master shooter winked the little eye buried in his fat left cheek i knows the schoolmaster jan he be mortal proud and i wouldn't offend he sartinly not jan but master swift and me have seen a deal of each other since you left and he've tasted this port before when he were so bad and he'll not take it amiss from an old friend master shooter was right the schoolmaster only thanked him heartily and pressed him to remain but the little innkeeper bustling round the table with professional solicitude declined the invitation i be obliged to ye all the same master swift but i hope i knows better manners than to intrude on you and jan just now let alone a gentleman on whom i shall have pleasure in waiting at the heart of oak there be beds sir at your service and jan's and well aired they be and i'll be proud to show you the sign sir painted by that boy when he were an infant as i may say but i knowed what was in un master swift can bear me witness mark my word says i the boy yon be most as good as a sign painter yet and i do think a will but you knows best sir i feel quite convinced that he will said the painter gravely whilst master shooter and the artist thus settled jan's career he cooked the eggs and bacon and when master swift had propelled himself to the table and the others including rufus had taken their seats the innkeeper drew cork dusted the bottle mouth and filled the fat-legged wine-glasses then throwing a parting glance over the arrangements of the table he withdrew jan's fears for the credit of his home his anxieties as to the effect of the frugal living of his old friends upon 
the more luxurious tastes of his new patron were very needless the artist was delighted with everything and when he said that he had never tasted food so good as the eggs and bacon or relished any wine like that from the cellar of the heart of oak he quite believed what he said in truth none should be so easily pleased as the artistic when they wish to be so since if we receive but what we give and our happiness in anything is according to the mind we bring to it imaginative people must have an advantage in being able to put so much rose colour into their spectacles warmed by the good cheer master swift discoursed as vigorously as of old with a graphic power of narration commoner in his class than in a higher one he entertained the artist with stories of jan's childhood and gave a vivid picture of his own first sight of him in the wood he did not fail to describe the long blue coat the pig switch and the slate nor did he omit to quote the lines which so well described the scene which the child genius was painting in leaves well have i named him giotto said the artist the shepherd boy drawing on the sand if ye'd seen the swineherd painting with nature's own tints said master swift with a pertinacious adherence to his own view of things which had always been characteristic of him i reckon you'd have thought he beat the shepherd boy not that i could pretend to be a judge of the painting myself sir what took my mind was the inventive energy of the child for maybe fifty men in a hundred do a thing if you find them the tools and show them the way but not five can make their own materials and find a way for themselves necessity's the mother of invention said the painter smiling so they say sir said the schoolmaster smartly though from my own experience of the shiftlessness of necessitous folk i've been tempted to doubt the truth of the proverb the painter laughed and thought of the widow as master swift added necessity may be the mother of invention sir but the father must have had a good head on his shoulders the sun had set the moon had risen and the dew mixed with kindred raindrops on the schoolmaster's flowers when jan and the painter bade him good-bye for half an hour past it had seemed to the painter that he was exhausted and spoke languidly don't get up till i come in the morning master swift said jan i'll come early and dress you rufus walked with them to the gate and waved his tail as jan kissed his soft nose and brow but then he went back to master swift and lay down at his feet the old man had refused to have the door shut and he propelled his chair to the porch again and lay looking at the stars the moon set and the night grew cold so that rufus tucked his nose deeper into his fur but master swift did not close the door the sun was shining brightly when jan came back in the morning it was very early the convolvulus bells were open but rufus and the schoolmaster still slept jan's footsteps roused rufus who stretched himself and yawned but master swift did not move nor answer to jan's passionate call upon his name and in the very peace and beauty of his countenance jan saw that he was dead but at what hour the silent messenger had come whether at midnight or at cockcrow or in the morning there was none to tell End of chapter thirty eight